What is going on, DC? This is Move the District, hosted by yours truly, Mike Yassin. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to highlighting members of the Washington, DC health and fitness community and giving you the correct information with no BS to help you live a life that's active, healthy, and fulfilled. All right, welcome back to episode five of Move the District. Uh, today, I have a uh, really special guest who I'm pumped to have here with me today. Uh, he is the uh, Director of Operations for New Box Fitness, and he's the creator of the Boxing Guy Strength and Conditioning, which specializes in at-home and virtual workouts, uh, which are a combination of boxing and strength training. This is Victor Williams. Vic, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I really appreciate you having me. I'm pumped as well, so uh, excited to jump in for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, where'd you get your start in the fitness business? Where, uh, you know, where did you, uh, you know, where'd you get, where did it all come from? Uh, well, I mean, if, if we want to talk specifically about when I got started into the fitness business, um, it, it was about two years ago at Newbox. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got my start there and I uh, kind of just fell in love with, with training people and working with people. Um, you know, in the gym setting and, and kind of helping people achieve their fitness goals. But, you know, as far as how long have I been in fitness, I mean, my first sport was karate at six. I got my black belt <laughs> at 12 and, and uh, I kind of been at it ever since. So, so yeah, nice. man, that's how I got started in a nutshell. Nice. So, uh, so we started with karate at the age of six. What, uh, what level belt did you get up to? I got my black belt when I was 12. Wow. When you were 12. Uh, yeah, yeah. So in the fifth grade, um, and then from there, uh, that's when I picked up football. So my dad was kind of holding me out for football for a while, which I think was a smart decision. And gotcha. uh, I was begging him and begging him and begging him to play. And yeah, my so he finally my my dad did the same thing to me, and then I just he just never let me play. <laughs> he was just like, eh. he's like, just stick with baseball. Just stick with baseball. Yeah. It was like I think uh, that's what happens when you weigh uh, like 120 pounds when you're like a junior in high school. I think that's, that's oh usually. wow. That's usually what happens when you're six foot one twenty, as a junior Jesus, in high school, yeah. or maybe maybe it's like one forty at that point. But I think that's, that's still what, pretty tiny. Exactly, exactly. I think <laughs> probably made the right decision for me. Um, but yeah, no, I feel you. And then so then you went on to play football, uh, growing up in yeah. high school, right? And then and then what? Um, yeah, so I mean, I played I played a lot of sports. I you know I played football. Uh, I ran track. Um, those are the two sports that I that I uh, participated in at Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrestled, I played uh, basketball. Um, so, you know, you know, those are the kind of the sports that kind of shaped me into the athlete that I am now. I would say that all of those sports made a significant, significant contribution, um, to, to where I'm at now. Um, but yeah, I, and now I box. So, um, you know, I spent four years playing football at Dartmouth. I ran track for, I believe three years, if I remember correctly. And, uh, now I'm just this guy who's, Punching people for fun. Going from the <laughs> Ivy Leagues to the ring. Ivy Leagues to the ring, right? The, that's the, uh, the oddest uh, transition there. <laughs> uh, I don't think I realized how many sports you actually played growing up, you know, between karate, football, basketball, track. I mean, uh, now yeah. boxing, obviously. What do you think the impact was, you know, on that? As like, because like, you know, football is obviously your, was your main sport growing up. How do you think that impacted you as like an overall athlete, um, you know, when you went to like the next level? I mean, it was tremendous because I like, you know, um, and, and kind of based off of, you know, what the science says as well is like, as you're, as you're, uh, you know, a child and, you know, a youth athlete, the, the more sports you get exposed to kind of the, the better overall athlete you become, you yeah. know, in general. Right. So, so, you know, I benefited from, from that phenomenon there. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate the fact that karate was my first sport because it gave me, um, it allowed me to become just like a very, very like limber and flexible, um, individual. So I've never had like, like, uh, uh, soft, like major soft tissue issues, like, yeah. like pulled muscles and none of that. Like I'm mean, slight strains here and there, but like, because I was so like mobile, yeah. you know, um, you know, it really, really helped me out. And then, and then wrestling, I wrestled it, you know, from like six to eighth grade. And, um, <clears throat> my dad actually wouldn't let me, <laughs> wrestle in high school because he said I needed to pick two sports you know he was yeah. being smart he's like no okay let's dwindle it down two sports and now it's football and track yep um but but yeah um I wrestled and that gave me a tremendous amount of like body control and like you know uh 
understanding like how to fall, how to move around and kind of maneuver myself when I'm closer to the ground. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, That's, um, that's, that's really interesting, especially with those two sports in terms of like movement, uh, in terms of like how you said body control. I, you know, I never really thought about it in that sense, but, um, that definitely, you know, definitely makes sense in terms of like laying the groundwork to then, you know, go play basketball, go run track, go play football. Um, and now obviously, right. Um, right. Yeah. Cause I think it's, it's always interesting when you see the, the best athletes, you know, that the professional level, whether it's, you know, MLB or NFL or whatever it might be. And you're like, Oh, like surely he played on like the best travel team and he, you know, played, you know, year round football or year round baseball. And then it's like, Oh no, he actually was a three, three sport athlete in, uh, in high school. So, right. um, or, or it's a situation where you see, you know, this guy, oh, he discovered football as a junior, as a sophomore in high school, like super late. Yeah. You know, um, but they mm-hmm. have all this like untapped potential and like talent. Right. Or, you know, so it's. Yeah. Nothing made know. me more angry growing up when I would see, like, I'd hear a story about a guy who pitched in the major leagues who like began pitching as like a senior in high school. It's just, Oh, I just picked up a baseball and threw 95 miles an hour. And (laughs) (laughs) you know, there I was, you know, playing baseball from the age of like, you know, five or six. And you know, I could barely break a pane of glass with my fastball. And this guy (laughs) picked up a fastball and was like, Oh, let's, uh, this, this seems fun. And then next thing you know, he's in the major leagues. And I was like, I was like, damn. But yeah, I mean, I think that overall like athleticism plays such a factor into, you know, really every sport. Um, I know no, baseball, absolutely. baseball always gets the dig that they're not athletes, they're baseball players. And that's not true. It's not true. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, whether it's, you know, baseball, or football, or basketball, or golf, or what, you know, wrestling, whatever it might be. Um, there's that certain degree of athleticism that I think can take people, you know, to the next level. And also, I think, you know, like you said, with, um, you know, not really having any injuries, you know, I think that plays a major key in the whole, like, overuse, you know? Yeah. Like there's never any, you know, overuse, whether it's, you know, running, you know, in a straight line or whether it's throwing a ball or whatever it might be, you know, you're constantly doing different things. And so you never actually, um, you never actually end up with, uh, you know, like doing the same thing over and over and over again. And let's talk about that for a second, especially like, like as it relates to like my collegiate career as well. Mm -hmm. So like, um, you know, when I was like playing football and running track simultaneously, I was a year round athlete and like, besides like, you know, like, um, straining my Achilles or, or like landing on my shoulder weird. Like I never had any, like, like you said, like injuries that were related to like overuse. Um, and I was, you know, playing football in the fall and so went like right after the season was over, I went straight to indoor track and yep. I went to outdoor track and then during outdoor track was spring football. So I was practicing six days a week at Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday football, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, track. And then Sunday was like my only off day. Right. And so it was like, I was doing all of this stuff. And I would like, sometimes I would skip Saturday practice to go to a track meet, right. um, you know, and stuff like that. So it's like, I was really, really like doing a lot. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And balancing <laughs> an Ivy league course uh, load on top of that too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I, I was an engineer. So I don't know. I was like crushing myself. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it, it uh, yeah, you know, interestingly enough, you know, because you periodize and you train the right way, like mm-hmm. you're gonna, it's it's taking care of your body. Um, yeah, and and so, what made you? Because like you said, you were you graduate with an engineering degree, and you know, uh, Newbox wasn't your first job out of school. What uh, yeah. what made you take the jump from being uh, you know, working with a you know a traditional nine to five job to hey, like I want to work in the fitness industry. Um, you know, I think that the the reason that I made the jump was because I had talked to a lot of people in my circle, um, people who had a few years on me, um, and some people in general who said like, you know, they, they wish that they had made the jump earlier. Like these are mm-hmm. people who had made the jump to whatever, you know, to whatever respective industry it was, whether it be fitness or something else. Um, and as it relates to their passion, they all said like, I wish I did it. I wish I would have done it earlier. Um, so I was like, wow, like I have this opportunity here yep. and I know that I can provide value, you know, to new box and, and help Rachel out. Who's been so great to me. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, you know, I just started having those conversations. I was like, let me go for it. Like, 
You know, I was, and I was also in a position where I was kind of ready to move out of my corporate job that I was in at the moment. So I was, I was looking for a job in general. Um, and I was like, man, like, if, if I don't love it, if it's not my passion, then, then right. why am I doing it? You know? And I was like, all right, well, I can either, I can either, you know, stay in corporate America and, and chase the dollar at the end of the day. That's what it would have been. And, right. uh, you know, I, you know, and I would, it's, I would be making, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying I would probably be making, you know, quite a bit more money, um, and, and, you know, off the bat, but I felt, you know, that if I really gave my all into the thing that I loved and I knew that I had a talent for and a little bit of an action for that eventually over the course of time, that investment to myself would pay off, you know, and, uh, one thing that I've always, you know, kind of tried to live by and, and say, listen, like, you know, take a chance on me, you won't regret it. <laughs> I take it, I take a chance on myself, you know, I took a chance on myself and, and, uh, I'm just kind of continuing to invest and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, Hope that everything works out so investing in yourself yeah yeah i think that's um an important thing is like you know in terms of like following you know where your passions where your interests are versus just kind of like going along for it and i think uh you know that the idea of like you know entrepreneurship and uh you know just kind of taking a chance on yourself um you know is uh can you hear me yeah i can hear you just fine um <laughs> just making sure that sorry my account doesn't get taken over no that's that's all right uh gotcha. I, yeah I but i think um you know were you did you find that you were always more on like the entrepreneurial side or did you feel like uh or that's something you've kind of developed later in life you think yeah yeah i've you know i've kind of always been um i've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit um and i think it's probably because my dad instilled it into me you know uh-huh. he always um first of all first first car I got was a truck. I think that's pretty normal being from Oklahoma. Um, yep. but you know, the reason, In my mind, you know, being from New York. Yeah. That sounds right. <laughs> no, uh, my girlfriend, Abria, when we went down to Oklahoma, she was like, there's so many trucks. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what you need. Uh, <laughs> that's Oklahoma. Um, right. And my dad, you know, my dad, one of the things my dad told me and the reason he got me a truck, he said, listen, you got, you have a truck, truck, you can always make money, whether it be helping people move, whether it be like transporting here, whatever, like you have a way, to to generate a little bit of revenue he made me learn how to cut hair you know and uh he cut hair in the, in the military he served in the army gotcha. and he told me that it was something that was invaluable to him and he made me do it i didn't have a choice he was like You're, i'm not cutting your hair no more you gonna cut it <laughs> and, <laughs> how, old, how uh, old were you when that happened i think i was about 15 14 or 15 okay that's reasonable okay it wasn't like yeah. six or seven okay no, it was like 14 because I remember, I remember like, like just like butchering it. Like I didn't even like look up any YouTube videos or anything. I just uh-huh. went in and I didn't put guards on the, on the clippers and I went against the grain. But yeah, I was like, ah, so I had to shave it all off. And I went into school. That's so embarrassing. I got, I got clowns for, for, oh my God, that's great. So. But, but, uh, but yeah, no. So, you know, kind of always had that entrepreneurial spirit, spirit. Uh, he, you know, he taught me how to cut hair and uh, I came in handy the uh, during these last couple months there. Yeah, I've been cutting my own hair. And it came in handy in college, too, because I was the only, like, you know, Dartmouth is a predominantly white institution. So, yeah. you know, for the black population I was there, like, they didn't really have many people that could, knew how to cut their hair. And I could. There you go. <laughs> and so, you know, it was, I literally was cutting as many heads as I could during the week, and I wasn't charging that much. But, you know, with all the things that were going on, I was, right. you know, I was probably cutting, like, 10 heads a week. And I always had extra money in my pocket because, obviously, you weren't paying for you know, room and board. You weren't paying for, like, uh, food like I always right. had money in my pocket long story short um and <laughs> and uh and then when I got out of school I was just doing I was just trying to figure things out obviously like most people who are most recent grads are uh-huh. um but I was definitely looking for you know for for a way to to kind of supplement my income and uh you know you work nine to five for just for the money and then I try to work five to nine for you know for myself so there you go yeah, yeah. I, it's one of those things. Yeah, I think you, you get out of school and like there's like this expectation of like having a job and having money and like having this life. And then like, you know, you pay your first month of rent and then like, you know, student <laughs> loans uh, and then you pay, you know, your electric bill and your internet bill and whatnot. And then you're like, oh shit, like where'd all right. the money go? And, and you're broke. like, well, I need, and then you want to, you know, go out on the weekends or, you know, take your girlfriend out or whatever it is. And, uh, and you're like, well, okay, this is, this is not, it's a little bit more tighter than I thought it was going to be. And, right. uh, and I think that's like the, where the, the benefit of, you know, investing in yourself really, uh, you know, comes to fruition where like, you know, if you want to, you know, 
you want to make more money, like go out and do it yourself. Right. Exactly. Nobody's going to give it to you. Exactly. You know, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, honestly, you know, how I came about new box, I guess, to, to, to come, come back around to that question yeah. is, um, is, uh, one of my, one of my friends and he's also a trainer in the you know, DMV area, you know, you know, LeCadre. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, he, I met him at UFC gym Arlington. I was just training there. I hadn't been, I think I'd probably been boxing for a year at the time. And he was like, Hey man, I think you might, I think you might like new box. I think it might be a good fit for you. And at the time I was like, listen, man, that sounds cool. But you know, I was still living in Virginia. I was still working um, you know, at the job and I was really focused you know, on that at the time. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll come back to it. I think I might move into DC and we'll figure it out from there. And, right. uh, um, and sure enough, a few months flew by and, you know, by the beginning of the year, you know, I'd moved into DC and I was like, man, like this could work out. Um, yeah. and so from there, it was just kind of all history Did, I met with Rachel. And, yeah. So you, you started part-time there, right? First. Yeah. I started part-time only coach Sundays. I was only coaching the, cause you know, those are the toughest classes to get coached, find coaches for the Sunday classes. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> so no one wants to coach so, yeah. Sundays. No one right, wants to work right. Sundays. Um, <laughs> so now were you... So you started boxing first, correct? Yes. So what, talk about the transition into boxing. Like how did you, where'd we, where'd you come up with the idea to, Hey, I should start hitting people. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I kind of knew like when I finished playing, uh, when I, when I, you know, stopped doing karate, I always kind of figured that I'd, you know, I'd come back to martial arts in some way, shape, or form. Um, I didn't know in what capacity, um, but I, I did really, really enjoy mar- uh, karate. Um, and so when I stopped playing football, I was been working in D.C. for probably about, I moved down to D.C. in July of 2016. And I stumbled across UFC Jermongton in about November of uh-huh. 2016. My, one of my coworkers is one of my former college teammates as well. And he was like, hey, man. I know you used to do karate and I uh, saw USC Jim Arlington. It's right down the way in Clarendon. Like I was thinking about going and check it out. You want to come? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First class we go to, um, you know, it's just like a, I think it's like a boxing conditioning class or something like that. And, um, you know, I'm just hitting the bag and like working and like following the instruction of a coach. And after the class ends, the coach walks up to me and says, like, Hey man, like you, you ever boxed before? I was like, uh, no, nah, this is my first time. He's like, you might be pretty good at it. You should talk to coach. You should talk to this guy. It's coach Terrence. He's a boxing coach. Like you talk to him. I was like, okay, fine. And <laughs> then, then I, then I finished, I think I did a little extra after that workout with, with the coach. Oh yeah. And then from there, I just kept going every day. The third day I was there actually uh-huh. coach Terrence. He's my coach. Now he was like, Oh, do you, do you want to compete? I was like, ah, sure. Why not? <laughs> why and not? so t- two months later I fought in the golden gloves and I made it to the semis. So. There, and you made it to semis two months later. There you go. And now, <laughs> so, and, and so now what's your record? Uh, 13 and two. 13 and two. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The definition of an athlete right there. Wait, I only lost one fight. Yeah. Something like that. But one yeah. fight, 13 and one, 13 and two. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. I don't remember the exact record. And a few more wins once uh, boxing picks back up again. Yeah, man, that's the hope. I mean, I was, we were hoping to do Golden Gloves in April, and, you know, the plan was to go pro at the end of the year. But we'll, hopefully we can get Golden Gloves at the end of this year, maybe yep. August, September, what? So how has – yeah. How has um, – how has your, like, athletic background between – with everything that you've done, you know, uh, shaped your, you know, training methodology that you use today, you know, with new box as well as, you know, on your own? Um, my, it's because I've been exposed to so many different like t- styles of training. Like I've been able to, to kind of take what I felt like was the best from all of those sports and, and, and to give people a little bit of everything. Um, so, you know, from, you know, I loved sprinting and, you know, I think that everybody can, can benefit from, from running mechanics drills, from learning how to, you know, hold their hips in the, in, in the upright position and, and, you know, cycle through the, you know, uh, a lot of it, you know, becoming a better runner at a certain, to, uh, you know, at a certain extent, it becomes your economy of running and like how efficient you right. are at moving. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been super helpful, you know, different like body weight core exercises. Like honestly, this transition to the pandemic in terms of programming for me, because in my classes, I was already doing a lot of like body weight, like right. type of things. Um, obviously we would, you know, use kettlebells and like batter ropes and everything that was in there, but sure. you know, um, 
you know, the body weight exercises, I took a lot of that from, from track as well, strengthening the core. Um, I like to do a lot of like reaction, change of direction drills, football, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. You know, I, I love balance. You think about karate and boxing. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, training people, you know, all around is, is how people kind of get the best results for sure. Is, uh, is how you train people similar to the way you train yourself? In some cases, yes. Uh, well, it, it, I would say yes, because everything requires a progression. Like, there, you know, is, is there a progression or a regression? So like some of the exercises that I do, maybe just a really advanced version of a basic exercise, you know? So maybe I'm not having them do what I'm doing, but I'm having them like do something similar so that eventually, hopefully if they stick with it, they can build up to something, you know, at that level. Um, so like, am I always doing what my clients are doing? No, because sometimes it's not that much of a challenge for me. Um, right. Or it would be so much of a challenging challenge for them that they would, like, I can't do this. Or people would look at me like I'm crazy. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like right, right, I'm not right. doing this. Like, what do you, so, <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So I would say yes and no, but it's just like, the stuff that I have my clients do is just like really, really like fundamental, like basic things that I worked on as a young athlete. You know? Yeah, I think, I think mastering the basics is, uh, you know, obviously the most important thing, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where it's nice, you know, to do like, you know, break out the, you know, the uh, BOSU balls and have them do like <laughs> all the, you know, fancy stuff with all the bands and stuff. But like, they can't just do a regular squat. There's no sense in, you know, making them, you know, do a squat on one leg or, you know, things like that. So I think, right. um, you know, mastering the basics, I think that's, you know, hands down the, the best way. And I think that's the, the nice thing about like your, you know, one, like your, your one-on-one sessions, but also, you know, like the small classes at new box is, you know, you get that, um, you know, extra special, uh, attention. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, man, not everybody is, is, you know, takes the same approach that I do. I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm just, kind of a stickler for details so you know you experienced that like yeah and I try to really teach people and like I don't take like I'm not just going to see somebody in my class like perform an an exercise slightly incorrect or or maybe if it's slightly if they don't have the capacity to do the exercise correctly then you know you let it fly but like it's about it's about really making sure that people can do the right exercise for them you know um Um, and then when it comes to boxing, it's making sure that they understand like the how and the why and like what's trying to be accomplished while you continue to get a great workout for sure. But, you know, um, but yeah, that's just kind of my style, man. I want people to do it the right way. I want people to get a good experience and not everybody like identifies that. Some people just say, Hey, I just want to come in and hit a bag. And I will right. realize that in a class and like, okay, you know, hit the bag, but <laughs> not my, my, not my ideal, ideal way of coaching and teaching because I, I don't want you to mess up your your knuckles because you're punching incorrectly because you're just going at the bag you know yep. and uh, as somebody who loves boxing as a sport like i want to share like you know my love of the sweet science with other people as well so yeah i think of- that's the biggest thing i've learned from you know you know working with you as well as you know other you know people around the area here just like boxing is more than just hitting a bag you know yeah that's more than just throwing a punch there's a lot more uh oh involved God. than than that it's, as, it's, uh, yeah man it's it's strategy boxing is a game boxing is a chess match man yeah um um you just have to be extremely physically prepared for it <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think that uh you know an interesting point um you know obviously you know with what you're doing with the boxing guys was well it new box um you know the whole um the concept of you know strength training for boxing uh you know i i love it personally but you know i think it's something that's probably not widely uh, accepted or right. practiced. Uh, talk a little bit more about about that. Yeah, I mean, when you think about like boxing training, like you know, most people go back to like the old like Rocky days of like <laughs> you know, like running the steps or like doing you know, hundred, two hundred push ups and three hundred sit ups and just kind of just just going at it hard, right? Right, right. And and sure, maybe from a mental perspective, some of that stuff, you know, it gives you a little bit of willpower. But you know, when we're talking about the, you know, the science of like how our bodies actually work and mm-hmm. how you manage load and all that good stuff, it's like I don't really see like most of the old school boxing coaches. There, the old school way of teaching boxing itself is is great. I think old school boxing teaching how to fight that's very, very important. But mm-hmm. I think that the strength and conditioning aspect of it is, is, is outdated and it has been for a while. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, like, I think there's, I think there's a niche for it. I think that, you know, 
we have these guys like PJ performance, or I think, you know, elite performance, who's like strength conditioning training for basketball players. You see strength conditioning players for football players. I think we were talking like you have, you know, quarterbacks, strength and conditioning, you know, uh, thing. So it's like, why would we not be able to, and why should I not try to like, you know, take advantage of this Avenue and help boxers, you know, around the globe, uh, hopefully, you know, someday, um, um, yeah, 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 do it the right way. <laughs> get, and yeah, and just yeah, get to the next right. level. I think that I think that right. that's awesome. I think it, I think it's great because it's it's and it's one thing where like not only are you improving performance, but you're also preventing injuries. You know, boxers. Right. You know, um, are, I, I I shouldn't say preventing injuries. I think that's like one of those like pet peeves people have because like you can't prevent some injuries, right? We can minimize right. the risk of injuries. Exactly. Um, you know, there's certain things. You know, you, you're you know what, what you know whatever happens. You know, with like if you get hit, right? Like, I, I, yeah, I can't, nothing is going to prevent you from uh, getting a concussion. Getting punched. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, you're going to get punched. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, or just someone who, you know, breaks a bone for whatever reason. Like, I can't, you know, sure. do those things. But, um, you know, you're able to, you know, minimize the risk of, you know, rotator cuff injuries, things like that, you know, back injuries, things, you know, neck injuries. So, um, I think that's a key factor in it, too, because, I mean, you get injured when you box. Right. Yeah, you get injured when you compete in any sport, and uh, you know. And when you think about it, you know, you have, you know, athletic trainers for football players. You have athletic trainers for basketball players. I mean, I don't, I, I don't. For personally, I'm sure that you know, elite level athletes have access to these things as well, right? Um, right. But but you know, I don't think I don't like know. you said it's yeah. it's as widely. I, it's not something I know. I don't think that's something that's been like widely like <laughs> broadcasted, right? Right. So. So yeah, man. I think that there's a there's an avenue for it. Um, so yeah. So I'm excited, man. Just trying to build it. Absolutely, absolutely. Who are uh, who are some of your influences? So who are some of the guys that you've uh, you know studied and and you know followed? Uh, you know, and, and kind of tried to adapt some of their stuff. Uh, from a like well, from a like a fighting standpoint, from a career training, business, training from like a training training. Man, um, so if we talk about, you know, like, oh, okay, so sorry to continue to ask clarifying questions, but <laughs> so training myself or training other people? Uh, in your development, like as a coach? In my development as a coach, um, I, I mean, you, you were, you were one of them for sure. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you. No, of course, you're a smart guy and uh, you're really good at what you do. And I, I would say just, you know, by trying to tap into my networks and, mm-hmm. and reach out to people and, and see like who's doing what. And, and I follow a lot of doctors of physical therapy on, on Instagram. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way I use, the way I use Instagram is a little bit different for other people. Um, you know, the most people I would say I use it for knowledge based purposes. So you'll right. scroll my TL and you'll see doctor, 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 you'll see, you know, different images of the body and how it moves or whatever. Right. Right. Um, so that, so it's like when we talk about like, is there a specific person, um, you know, I would say, nah, not, not really. I think, that, I think I take different concepts from, from a lot of different people or from things that I see, I think about them and I figure out a way to apply it or, or some way into my own, like, yeah. um, um, you know, training system or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, but there's just so much information out there, man. It's like, why would I, you know, just look at one guy, you know? Right. Um, so, so, so yeah, man, I, maybe I feel like I'm like kind of like dodging the question <laughs> a little bit, uh-huh. but yeah, I mean, I, I would say you are definitely one of the people that's helped me out just like with my own training and helped me understand like how, you know, how people's bodies work and stuff like that. Um, thanks. You know, thanks again. I need to get uh, that book back to you, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can get back to me whenever you want. Uh, yeah. I apologize to all your clients then in that, in that case. Um, no, it's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think having a, um, you know, a well-rounded approach, and like, you know, being able to, to take, choose and pick things, I think is a, is like a, a, a really good thing. Cause I think, um, especially I see it here, you know, in physical therapy where, you know, people tend to fall into like one, like treatment paradigm. Um, mm-hmm. you'll hear about like active release technique, ART, you'll hear about yeah. postural restoration Institute, PRI, you'll hear about, uh, McKenzie method, all those kind of things. And there's all these treatment paradigms where it's like, this is the way to go. Like you need to do myofascial <laughs> release or you're doing it wrong. And um, I just don't, I don't necessarily buy into that where it's like, this isn't the, uh, you know, end all be all. There is no like one singular way to to do this. There isn't, you know, one singular way to to train people. Just like you don't train, 
you know, all your people to be powerlifters. You don't train all your people to be, you know, uh, boxers. You don't train all your people to be, you know, whatever. It's, it's just, you know, it's, there's no one way to do it. I think, you know, taking things right. here and there and applying them to, you know, the situation in front of you is, you know, probably the most important thing versus just like right. handing out cookie cutter programs. Right. Cause at the end of the day, man, it's all, it's all about context. It's all about helping the person that has come to you, um, you yeah. know, and ask for help. Right. So if it's like, you know, uh, if they need to do like FRC, if they need to do mobility stuff, if I see they have hip weakness, like, yeah, I'm not FRC certified, but I know different, you know, techniques and I don't need to go do that, you know, right now at least uh, because right. I can just take these techniques that I know that I've done over the course of my lifetime and, and help that person. You know, that person doesn't give a shit whether or not I, I have this yep. <laughs> FRC letters on the end of my name. I couldn't so, agree with you more. I, I like, you know, obviously I, I respect, you know, all these continuing education, you know, right. courses and, and For stuff, sure. but like at the end of the day, people just want to know if you can help them. Right. You know, if you can help them achieve their goal, whatever that is, you know, and you can tap into that, then I think, um, you know, you're, you're much more successful. You know, you will get the people who are going to search out someone for ART or FRC or some sort of certification. It happens all the time. But, um, you know, the, the vast majority of people have a goal, you know, whether it's to run a marathon, whether it's to, you know, lose 20 pounds or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I think, you know, they have a goal and, they don't care what letters are at the, la- at the end of your last name or, you know, even if you have any, and they just want to know, right. can you help me achieve this goal? So, right. Um, and, and also it's, it's about like finding, you know, uh, finding different ways to engage with the client as well. Right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you can try a specific technique, um, you know, to try to, to, to accomplish a goal. And, and maybe that isn't the client's preferred way. And, you know, mm-hmm. what if, and if you're just like die hard, this specific technique, and you don't have the adaptability or the adjustability to, to then change and for what's best for your client. And like, how, how good is your customer service really? Yep. Yep. I think, well, one of the things I've, I've learned, you know, uh, is there are, you know, not to speak in absolutes, you know, I think, you know, never this or always this, um, you know, it just gets you in trouble. People like it. Right. I think people like absolutes, but, I'd rather be honest with somebody than, um, you know, bullshit them and, and tell them that, Hey, like, Oh, this is, this is 100%. This is what you need. You know, like everybody gets this, you're going to love it. Like, this is it. Right. You know? Um, so I think like, you know, being honest with people about like, what is, you know, the best course of action for them versus just here, take this, this is, this is right. what you need no matter what. Um, and, and, and that's not to like understate the importance of continuing education. Like, that is obviously an important thing uh, that, you know, everybody needs to stay up on, on top of. Right. Um, you know, we definitely can't, you know, uh, you know, understate that, that importance because like, you know, things are always changing, but um, you know, we constantly want to provide better service, but at the same time, you know, we don't, uh, I don't think people really care what those continuing ed- education courses are. Move the District is sponsored by Big League Performance and Rehab. At Big League Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. Right, right. <laughs> I yeah, I agree, man. Yeah, it's just it's because they don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it means, you know. They can say, "Oh, you got these letters," but like, I don't, I don't know what. Like, if I like, if I'm looking at like some guy who does project management, and you know, say if I didn't know what a PMP, lean sixty, like, like, what does that mean to me? Right. It's in every profession um, too. Every profession right. has some sort of thing like that. Um, right. You know, and there's like you know, in physical therapy, there's like you know, residencies and things like that, and like, oh, well, I'm orthopedic residency trained, so that makes me more qualified to treat your lower back. And like, does it? I don't know. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, and like, again, like, I will also kind of back, piggyback and say, you know, let's not undermine the importance of, you know, the education and right. like, you know, in, in a lot of cases, checking off those boxes are, are really good. Um, but yeah, you know, that's all that stuff's not absolutely necessary in order to like help somebody. Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, in the healthcare and fitness world, like, if you have, you know, even even if you do have the best, you know, 
program in the world, you know, the best treatment program, the best fitness program, whatever it is in the world, and you're still an asshole, it's, it's not going to work. Right. <laughs> right. At the end of the day, you're a coach and, and, or you're <laughs> like, and the also, you know what, let, let me go back and, and uh, answer your question. I, I like way coach Brent Bartholomew. There you Bartholomew. go. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I, I really like his approach to like coaching and, and, and how, yeah, like, you know, you can argue all day about the scientific technicals of like, what's going to make a 3% difference. But at the end of the day, like, how about you focus on serving the people that you're there to serve? You know, it's, it's coaching is much more than just understanding the science. It's, it's communication and it's getting people to understand, yep. um, you know, what you're trying to get accomplished and then under, like, you know, instilling confidence in them. It, there's so much yep. that goes with coaching that, you know, so. Yeah, Brett. Brett's awesome. He, uh, I got a chance to meet him at a like PC Entrepreneur uh, event last year. Have you read Very his cool. book? I haven't read it yet. I did see it. I need. I need Conscious to Coach. It. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Everyone listening out there, listen to the Conscious Coach, or what? Yes. Read the Conscious Coach. Um, yeah, it was. It was really interesting. He came because he came in and he talked to us, and uh, I mean everything. It's just you know, it's all communication based. He yeah. uh, he had guys doing. Um, improv and uh and it was it was really interesting and like you know how to improve your uh you know um you know communication skills and like improv i like i never really thought about improv as a way to like work on my communication but like you know he had like one like thing where it was like all right someone's in the year you know 2019 and uh you know the other person is from like the 1700s you know explain a microwave to the person in the 1700s <laughs> right and, and it was you know it was hilarious to watch because the person you know who was supposed to be in you know modern times like had you know no idea uh like what to say but um you know it was funny to see them like work through it um right and you know and, and other other drills like that too and kind of like maybe i should take an improv class yeah no it, it's really helpful and like <clears throat> and i think specifically because the cues that you give one client clicks and make it it works for them like oh i get it i understand will not work for the or may not work for the person who's right next to them you yep. know, in the same class or and it's likely not to so in the moment you've got to figure out a way to effectively effectively communicate right and and, and give your people like the information that they need in the way that they individually can digest it right, right. And, and then and do the right thing <clears throat> So yep. it's definitely yep. an art to it, man. It's art. It's an art for sure. The art of coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> the art of coaching. I feel you. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, being able to like, you know, coach a hip hinge, you know, for someone is, you know, is there's, you know, a lot of different movements, you know, going on there and like a lot of different cues, you know, chest forward, you know, butt back, things like that, you know, um, you know, and, and being able to like find what the person responds to, you know, internal cues versus external cues. Um, right. Is it, you know, touch your butt to the wall or is it, you know, um, you know, bend, you know, uh, bend at your hips, you know, things like that. Um, right. Are definitely um, like, and, and then also like learning styles, like learning, learning styles, you know, like who does, you know, who learns by, you know, uh, seeing, who learns by doing, you know, who learns, you know, auditory, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. It's like finding out like what they respond best to. Cause there's times when I'll like, explain something to people and I'll be like, okay, like this is how we're going to do this exercise. You bend forward here, lift here. And then they're like, uh, how do I do it? And then <laughs> right. I'll just, you know, and then I'll just, you know, won't say a word and I'll just pick up the kettlebell or dumbbell and, and do the exercise. Like, Oh, okay. Boom. And they'll do it. Right. Um, right. And I think, and I think you probably, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to jump on a limb here and say that probably, but I, I will say that a lot of times, you know, especially dealing with the general population, like they don't have like great body awareness. So like when you say, I want you to take the backside of your shoulder and touch it here, or like I want to take my finger and like, or take your core and like try to focus on like squeezing, like they're not going to understand that because they don't have that control yet. Nope. Right. Nope. So it's like, sometimes you just, like you said, you have to find other ways other than telling them what to do in order to get them to do it. And then as they're, becoming more familiar with the exercise the second or third time they do it, you can say, all right, now, do you feel this? What, what, oh yeah, I feel that. Oh, okay. So this is what I'm talking about when I say this, or, 
or when you're starting to progress an exercise. So like say for an overhead movement, you know, um, you know, for a lot of my people, I have them like lay on the ground and do prone to Y liftoffs, right. Just like to work on mobility in that, in that specific plane. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then when we get to, uh, you know, actually doing an overhead press or like a, a handstand or whatever, a pike push up, I'm like, Hey, put your head through the window. Like you're doing a prone Y liftoff and they go, Oh, got it. And then, you know, it kind of clicks. So, um, you know, I think that, it's, it's kind of a development process and initially people aren't going to be good with RPEs or, or like audio, right. audio cues and stuff like that until they kind of get in tune with their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I use for like that, you know, talking about like RPE is like reps in reserve, which, you know, I know we've yeah. talked about before is like, you know, like how many more reps, how many more reps can you do, you know, after a set of eight, you know, prescribed set of eight, like how many more reps can you do? Can you do two? All right, good. Is it like 10? All right. Well, we probably need to increase your weight a little bit, you know? Right. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I think it's an easy way to do it, but I think for a lot of people, um, you know, it's like they, they don't really know because especially like if you just give them a dumbbell, you know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of classes people are just like, oh, here, take a 15. And you're like, okay, like I'm doing it. <laughs> right. And you're like, is this good? I don't know. Oh, well, are you tired? How many more reps could you have done? Could you have done 10? No. All right. Well, then maybe it was good weight to start with. You know? And then it's right. like, you know, yeah, and then you're you're able to uh, you know I think you can use that probably more like in the one-on-one setting you can use that in terms of like programming where you're like hey like today we're gonna do you know five sets of five um, you know reps in reserve you know should be you know one to two you know something like right. that where you're like working yeah at like a you know an eighty percent capacity something along the lines of that uh, or you know something seventy-five percent capacity so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's, yeah, getting people to like learn about their bodies, which is cool. And I think, you know, having those small um, settings, uh, I think is really, um, really neat. Yeah. Helpful. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this like, it's just cause man, like, and, and, and it's not to take away from like those, those gyms that have like 40 and 50 people classes, you know, cause I think that those, you know, they have their place. Right. But right. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I just think that if if you want to do if you want to train and you want to train right, like I, mm-hmm. I think you're better suited um, for a small environment. Um, and I think that a lot of people hurt themselves because they're just going to these massive classes and dark environments and just kind of going through the motions and and uh, it's not how you train. Um, they're just working out. You know, I saw I saw something. Uh, I can't remember who posted, and it was like, uh, oh, well, I, I fight camp conditioning. I can't remember who was the coach that was featured, um, but. The guy was just talking about like, you know, I got a lot of questions about like, how do you train for, you know, how do boxers train for strength conditioning, right? Yeah. Um, and um, man, I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Like before. You, you saw sorry. something from Fight Camp Conditioning on Instagram. And that you, you were talking about training in the dark environments and like large classes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like a lot of people out here just like working out. Right. It's like, what, what's the difference between like, you're just going in there, you're just trying to get a sweat. Like you're not really focusing on anything specific, yep. um, but that's not really the most efficient way to do it. Like what you want to do is train. You, you, you That's when you, when you're training, you have a specific goal in mind, you understand what you're trying to get accomplished. Right. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can actually start to make like, you can start to develop like an idea of like what, which direction is forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do I, I think, take steps forward? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of classes, it's not training. It's, you know, uh, it's just, you know, how can I make you sweaty? Right. How can I make you, how can I make you sweaty and sore? And I mean, guess what? Sweaty and soreness are not good indicators of a workout. Right. Are they byproducts of a, of a workout? Sure. Um, but they are not good indicators of a good workout, you know? Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's, there's a focus on that. And I'm, I'm, you know, guilty of it too. I've worked out, I've walked out of workouts where I'm sweaty and I'm sore the next day. And I'm like, that was a good workout. And, you know, was it, I don't, I don't know, you know, right. um, it's one of those things where like, if you're walking, if you walk out of every workout, you know, and you're sore the next day, that's not a good thing. Right. And, and you know, I think it's easy to fall into that trap though, you know, and I understand why so many people who just don't understand training do it because mm-hmm. like, you know, people they just they just want to be fit you know and and yep. the, you know it's like i think that if i'm sweating i'm burning calories and I'm, you know i'm good great right you know and uh, it's, it's always interesting then you get the certain people you work with who like if they're not sweating then they're like oh well this isn't a good workout then and it's right. 
Is it? Is it? Like, you don't understand what's going on here, do you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, it is possible to work yeah. out and not sweat. Right. You know, that is definitely a possibility. I'm not saying right. it's common or it has to be that way, but it is a possibility to get a good workout and not sweat. Right. But like I was saying, man, it's just so easy to fall into that trap. And, you know, you said you've done it before and, and so do I. And I constantly try to like hold myself out, hold myself back from just doing that. Like mm-hmm. specifically on days where I like my goal is just like aerobic, like to work on my aerobic capacity, sure. to work on my, to build my engine. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, like, I'm going for like a long, slow distance run and like RPE three, like, and I do not need to push it. Like I just don't, you know, I don't, in order for me to get the desired effect, like I don't need to work any harder than that. But then I get like halfway through and I start to get bored or like something like that. I was like, Oh, I feel like I need to run faster. Or, like, you know, I feel like I need to like do 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. And it's like, right. I don't really, you know what I mean? Like work, one energy system, a specific workout. You know, yep. get what you need um, for the most part. And, and, and then if you need to, if you feel like you need to do strength training or you feel like you need to do plyometrics, give your body a rest and, and come back at it again later in the day. Like, and so, work, work smarter, not harder. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that's what it comes down to is like, we don't need to constantly be, you know, burning the candle at both ends of the stick here. And I think, um, you know, I think, I think basically, you know, most people, you know, there's this, this uh, maximal recoverable volume they have. And I think most people are, um, you know, probably operating beyond that level of like that maximal recoverable volume. And, right. uh, and, and, you know, and you can, you can do that for a time, you know, whether that's for, you know, a week or two months or five years or 10 years. Um, but it, eventually it's going to, it catches up to you, you know, it yeah. catches up to you. You know, I remember I was working with this one guy who was a CrossFitter and he, you know, is, is about 50 years old. And um, I'm like, well, what's your workout schedule like? And he's like, well, I, I do, I work out pretty much uh, seven days a week. And I was like, that's, that's, that's a lot. And he's like, I was like, how long yeah. have you been that for? He's like, the last 20 years. And oh, like, you know, goodness. he was able to get through it, you know, um, you know, but it, it, you know, it caught up to him. And it's one of those things, um, you know, with that large amount of volume, it catches up to you eventually. Um, you know, and that's why there needs to be, like you said, like the periodization factor where it's like, all right, like, you know, these weeks are going to be a little bit more intense. These are going to be our recovery weeks. Um, Cause the number one goal of any training program should be do no harm. You know, right. Um, it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be to make you sweaty. It shouldn't be to make you sore. It shouldn't be to make you tired. It should be do no harm. And, uh, you know, and then on top of that, and then after that is improved performance. You have different layers. You have different layers. Exactly. To build on Cause like, it, if right? you go into a workout and you get into one of my workouts and I injure you, then like, not only did I make you better, I made you worse. Right. I should be paying you. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's like the the thing. It's like it's like you know we should you know number one do no harm, and then number two is then we improve performance. Um, right. So right. so yeah, I think you know having that like you know maximal recoverable volume. I think you know taking people a step down from that is like, can we work with you? You know you know maybe instead of going to the gym seven days a week, maybe you do five days a week. You know, like right. maybe, you know, maybe, you know, we give you two days off. Maybe you take the weekend off or, you know, a weekday where you're really busy, you know, you just go home and maybe you do a little yoga or something and you, you know, get a good night's sleep. And um, you're likely to watch your performance shoot to the roof. You know, it's, it's <laughs> funny the number of people I've seen who have gone down from like, you know, doing, you know, CrossFit, maybe six days a week down to like three or four days a week. And they're like, oh, my, I'm, I just hit a new squat PR, hit a new deadlift right. PR. I can do muscle ups now and you're like yes yes yeah. it's because you're bo- giving happens. your body a chance to catch up to itself because it's just constantly going 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 this engine is just running all the time and you know engine gets tired right especially especially in dc where people are like ripping and running in politics and like they're probably not sleeping that well because they're stressed all the time type a all day right you know and it's just it's just a cycle where you just like you think you're doing good but at the end of the, you know, in the long run you're, you're just Right. Exactly. Exactly. People are just like always going. They're like, I, I have to like work hard. I have to work out hard. I have to play hard. And you're just like doing everything over and over and over. And you're just like, and eventually it catches up to you. Yeah. No, for um, sure, man. What What would you say is like the uh, the typical uh, new box uh, member? The typical new box member um, is is first of all somebody who is down to earth. Um, 
you know, and uh, we try to run our gym. It's, it's definitely a boutique gym, but we try mm-hmm. not to like bring all like the, like the crazy, like Instagram into it um, and stuff like that. And that's not what our member base reflects really at all. I mean, I would say a large portion of our member base isn't even active on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like split half and half and, and uh, just down to earth people who want to come run, want to come, come in, uh, get a great workout, obviously, but learn a skill set as well. Um, a lot of people, right. they've tried CrossFit, um, they've tried cycle, they tried CrossFit and got hurt, or they tried cycling and got bored, and or you know they lifting weights or they've been doing something on their own time for a while or whatever. Like you know, and, and I don't mean to like cast you know like a negative image on CrossFit because at the end of the day it comes down to the coach and like what gym you're at. But right. um, you know, it's like those are the type of people that that we we kind of generally you know have who are just the, your normal everyday people that they don't really care that you know they don't really care to be seen on instagram you know, uh-huh, they uh-huh. Don't, you know, they're not really worried about what the next person is doing they're just trying to come in get a great workout learn a skill set and uh and you know actually I'm, I'm really i'm always really surprised with like the turnout to our social events actually because you know our community is, is yeah is is great you know um especially since we've been able to like just kind of put more of like a consistent plan for like social events. So before the COVID, you know, pandemic and stuff like that. Right. Right. Um, I was just always so pleased with like, you know, how, how uh, present our community is and, and like how much appreciation they showed as well. And they, that's showed, awesome. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the new box. Typically. Yeah. I think the community helps. aspect, I mean, I, I've talked with some other people on the podcast about this already but like the community aspect of a gym really um i think can't be understated and i think that's like my favorite thing about you know the you know boutique style um you know uh, fitness classes is is the community aspect that people um are able to create you know whether um you know it's crossfit whether it's new box um you know i think people you know getting people to come together um and and motivate each other to do something that's you know actually good for them um is pretty cool yeah. And then seeing like those friendships develop outside of the gym as well. Like people meet in the gym and then like, you know, most people live like in the same area because it's all about convenience. So like, right. oh, like you live here or like, you know, people have just discovered they live in the same building as they're both walking <laughs> to class at the same time and then become friends. And, and, yep. and like, yep. that's so cool, you know, and, and I think, you know, most gyms who, who do well um, have like their own aspect of, 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 uh, of, of community. Um, and obviously, you know, um, there are different po- pockets of people who who like different things, and and uh, as long as you've got a good niche and and you fit within that niche, then, then that's great. So yeah, no, I uh, I totally agree. What uh what could someone expect in their uh, their first new box class? Uh, you can expect to uh, learn how to wrap your hands, mm-hmm. uh, to be taught all of the fundamentals of boxing. Well, I say all, not all, the basics of boxing in the first ten minutes beginning of every boxing class we cover hey this is your stance this is how you move this is how you pivot this is how you slip this is how you throw a jab and a brick you know or a cross or a two or some people call it um and and uh from there you can expect a lot of one-on-one time um you know i would say on average you know the class size is uh, about eight and probably one to two new people per class um, you know, sometimes there are more, sometimes there are less, obviously, right, depending on the time. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, with eight people, and, you know, and you have two different teams and the coach going back and forth, you know, you're getting a lot of one-on-one attention. And, you're like, you're learning. You're learning something. As you're sweating, you know, mm-hmm. um, in a way that makes sense. You're not just sweating for the sake of sweating. You have timed rounds. You have, uh, you know, you're working at your own pace. So there's not like there's a huge, uh, immense amount of pressure for you to just, like, go through the roof and it's like crush it right everything is timed um so but yeah so it's like it's it's low pressure it's it's uh it's uh it's very very personable um and you know this is pre-covid when people were cool and like slapping hands and like you know like we're we're no longer we're no longer cool anymore right right so but yeah i mean so I, i i as i say that i'm like well like what will a new bikes class look like when we open up like i don't know Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, traditionally that's what one would expect, like small class environment, a lot of one-on-one time, you know, full body workout. Um, um, but, but one that, that, that makes sense and you're just, you're just not doing movements for the sake of, of doing movements. Also learning how to wrap your wrist as well. Right. I said, that's the first thing I said, it's learning how to wrap your hands. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> yes. 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 As you, uh, would- as you taught me.
Yeah, <laughs> you probably don't remember that. So. Oh, I oh, at this point, no, I don't remember, unfortunately. <laughs> it's been a while. But, but yeah, I came in, my, uh, my hands were all messed up. I would have I would have definitely broke a knuckle or something like that in class. Yeah, I mean, and most people don't even know, like, so that's another thing we talk about in class at the beginning. Which, which knuckles do you punch with? Like, people don't know. Yeah, that was, that was something that was interesting. I think you, you, know, you, you explained to me um, in terms of, you know, how to throw that, uh, you know, throw a brick and uh, right. turn over, you know, with your, with your hand. Uh, that, that was really interesting. Yeah, man, it's, it's all about, like, you know, really it's all about transferring the force from the ground through your hips, you know, all power comes from the hips and then, you know, rotating, you know, and then I guess concentrating that into the, into your fist and, and you know, how you do that, you know, the most, in the safest way possible is by turning that hand over, landing with the top two knuckles and uh, snatching it back. Don't forget about defense. <laughs> yes, exactly. 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 So, so that's it. And then keeping your hand up when you, you know, when you do throw the punch, um, right. Rich, which, you know, is something that I was not doing well. Uh, yeah, man, that's everybody. People was like, oh, my God, it's so much to think about. Like, I didn't realize that it. it's like, oh, I was constantly thinking the entire time, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's a dance, man. And and, uh, and like you said at the beginning, man, it's just like it's it's so much more than just throwing punches. Yeah, um, yeah. No, so, I, think, I think that's very true. And let me even throw one more thing in there that maybe not everybody is going to love um, just because you know, a lot of people in D.C. are type A and they hate not being good at things. But, like – your first class, you won't be good. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like my first, my first time boxing, I was terrible. Like, it's not something that is instinctual. Yeah, you, you don't you walk know, in there and you're, you're not, you know, Muhammad Ali. It doesn't work like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately not. Uh, unless, um, unless they're you, of course, apparently. Uh, you know, not even, you know, not, not even, no, definitely not me. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, some people just, I've seen so many people just like, almost leave their first class feeling dejected because they, they, they weren't great at it. I'm just like, right. dude, like you've never done that. Or, or like, sis, like you've never done this before. Like, yeah. don't be so hard on yourself. Like if you keep coming, you will get better. If yeah. you don't, you won't, <laughs> you know? So it's like, if this is something that you enjoyed, um, you know, uh, well, well, one, don't be hard on yourself. Two, if this is something that you enjoy. Just, just keep coming. And I promise you, you will get better. You know? Right. 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 Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit here about you know, the fact that, uh, you know, right now, Washington, D.C., you know, I think all eyes of the, uh, the world are on, uh, you know, what's going on right now in terms of the uh, yeah. these protests that are happening here. And so, you know, I wanted to, you know, touch on it a little bit here, um, the issue of race and, you know, in the uh, you know, fitness industry. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on, like, the, the current state of, you know, the fitness industry with regards to race? Oh man, that's a big question. Um, if we talk about the current state of, of, of race in the fitness industry, man, I would say one, I've only been in the fitness industry for two years. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, I've been around fitness my whole life and, you know, I've gotten the, you know, the, the great, you know, privilege to be around a lot of good coaches and to learn a lot of great things. But when it comes from a business perspective and understanding like the politics of the fitness industry, do I have a full grasp on that? No, I'm not, I'm not going to act like I do. Um, uh, you know, my first thing is I'm always here to learn. And so I'm just kind of learning how to navigate that as well. But when we talk about, you know, uh, you know, my gym, well, like new box, I should say the gym that I gym that I work at specifically, yeah. um, um, you know, everybody had, I, I felt nothing but overwhelming support. And, um, and it's been great just kind of seeing like how many of our members are just like super passionate about, about, um, making sure that justice is served, you yeah. know, um, and, and, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of, but you know, I say that, but you know, we also have to realize that we live in DC, man. DC is a huge bubble. Yeah. Um, DC is one of the most diverse places in the, in, in the country and, and, uh, maybe in the world. Um, and, and so it's like people have, have, uh, uh, become accustomed in the DC area to mm -hmm. kind of, you know, tolerating each other, even if they don't like each other, you know, even if you yeah. have like different political, you know, preferences or whatever, like you tolerate each other because, you know, we all live in the same space, um, and, yeah. uh, and and most people are just trying to live their lives. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, when we, but when we talk about like other you know regions of America that may be a little bit more, um, you know, who may lean in a little a little bit of a different direction or, or or be in a little bit of a different atmosphere or a different reality. You know, mm -hmm. face it, we all live in different realities, even though yeah. we are a part of the same country. Um, um, you know, it may do may be different. You know. Um, so I, I don't think that I'm in a position to answer that question, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I can say from my experience, um, I'm just, I'm just, 
I'm just happy that, you know, I have the people that I have. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, uh, I appreciate your honesty with that. Um, no problem. You know, and what, I mean, how do we, you know, how do you think we could, you know, improve the, you know, diversity in gyms? You know, how, how do you think we can, you know, start to get the message out, you know, whether it's coming into, you know, classes or just, you know, getting involved in fitness in general? Um, I, I think that how, how do you do that? Do you seek it out? Mm-hmm. You know, people are just like, Oh, like, how do you introduce this? Like, how, how do we, how do we, how do we fix this issue? Well, how about one, you address it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Two, you do, you do, spe- you take specific measures yeah. to make sure that there's no longer an issue. Right. So if you feel as though you have an issue in your gym or you, maybe not an issue, but you, or you wish that your gym was maybe a little bit more diverse or you, you, um, you know, whether it be, you know, I don't know, whatever. If you, if you feel like you want it to be more, more diverse, then maybe you should uh, uh, reach out to some people in the community that, that, that are part of the specific uh, racial group that you have in mind or you feel like is missing from your environment. Um, and mm-hmm. you try to figure out and you go in those spaces and yeah, I mean, will, is it uncomfortable? Will it be uncomfortable? Probably, maybe, maybe not, depending on who you're talking to. Um, <laughs> right. But if you care, if, if you, if, if this is something that really matters to you, then you will figure out a way to, to make sure that it's no longer like this, uh, this void uh, uh, in your environment. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, I think the, cause I mean, the benefit of, of, you know, fitness, you know, uh, in terms of like comorbidities, uh, you know, in our country here in terms of, you know, who's affected by heart disease, who's, affect, who's affected by diabetes, um, you know, we look at those, those numbers and, you know, where can, you know, fitness, you know, make the greatest change in our society. Um, you know, I think it's in, you know, those, uh, communities. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Um, and there's just so much that can be done, you know, um, and it just comes down to, uh, the people who are in power, um, uh, uh, prioritizing it or not. And then, you know, people, the people identifying that and getting the people in power who will prioritize the right things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I so, think, okay, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, that was it. That was it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think it starts by having those conversations, um, yeah. you know, and, and people listening, I think, you know, that makes, uh, you know, and, and understanding exactly what needs to be done. Um, yeah. And you know, it's like, I, I think that you're 100% right when you say like it, it you need to have the conversation. And I, and I think that listening is great. Right. Right. I think listening, but specifically listening to understand and, and engaging, you know, for me is like more important is uh, because you can listen, but, and then, you know, you, you heard everything that I said and maybe it didn't make sense to you. Maybe you just listen to me, but you, if you did, if you did that and you didn't take any like, uh, 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 like steps t- for change, then what was really accomplished? What right. do what do we really do? Mm-hmm. We did nothing, right? In one ear, not the other. Right. So it's like okay, like listening is great, like and, and like, but I would rather you engage. And if you don't understand exactly what's going on, you know, like for me, like if I if I know you, <laughs> and right. I have that energy, right, uh, uh, to talk to somebody about it, you know, or let's say let's say like it is a white person about you know, specific issues that are, that are uh, plaguing America, mm-hmm. then, you know, if you're engaging with me, then yeah, like I will talk to you. But if you are coming at, I think this goes without saying, if you're being aggressive or you're just like, you know, being very combative or whatever, like, I, like listen, like, I don't owe anyone, an, you know, an, an opinion. So, but yeah. I, I guess not to beat around, not to get, to lose sight of the point. It's just like engagement um, is, is the biggest thing. Like be a part of the conversation, be a part of the solution, right. like partici- participate. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where I think a lot of people, um, you know, had this mindset, well, I'm cool. So I'm, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, I support, you know, I support black people. I support, you know, black lives matter. Um, but like, I don't say anything, but I, you know, I don't necessarily engage, you know, it's one of those things where like, well, I'm a good person. So it doesn't mean, you know, that I have to go out and, you know, engage or whatever, you know. Right. And in the day, even saying, saying it is not enough. Saying it is great. Like mm-hmm. posting your little black thing on the, on, on Instagram. Great. The black tile. Yes. Yeah. The black tile. <laughs> awesome. But what did you do? You did nothing. You know, it's like, okay, like now, now that you are amplifying this message, this message of importance to, you know, people in your community. Yeah. Now, like you as an individual, you need to go, you need to go actually, you know, 
take part in the conversation or, or donate or support the people that are that are going through these rough times right mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah that's yeah it's, nutshell, it's one of those it's, a, it's a good place to start and then like what's next right and also it's like saying i'm a good person yeah maybe you are a good person well you know what let me not even say that saying you're a good person isn't enough because like at the same time if you are complicit if you are complicitly allowing racism to go on if you're if you're not stopping it if you're not anti-racist you are part of the problem. Yeah. You can't, you can't be neutral. Yeah. You cannot, you cannot it, just stand it's by. It's no longer happens. enough to not be racist. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that's, I think I, I saw that today. Um, I honestly forget where I saw it, but it was, it was just like, it's no longer enough to be not racist. It's, you have to be anti-racist. Right. And if you see it, you need to call it out. Yeah. Like if you, you know, so, you know, that's, that's where we need to head. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, that is, uh, that is going to be it for today. Vic, thanks so much for coming on and, uh, hanging out with me here. Um, no problem, man. Uh, thank you for having me again. I, I appreciate you kind of thinking about me for, for, uh, for hosting me here. And, Absolutely. uh, I look forward to seeing your face in person, man. Once yes. I get back home, yes. we'll have to start come back to DC again. soon. Yeah. Um, how can, how can people find you? You can find me on Instagram, uh, at the boxing guy. All right. Um, or via my website theboxingguy.com the boxing guy uh, <laughs> so pretty easy um if you're on facebook go to instagram because i'm not gonna talk to you on there so uh-huh, gotcha <laughs> one one quick one quick question you're the boxing guy but do you only work with boxers no i work with everyone um i i, I do in-home personal training um like i'm a strength and conditioning specialist so you know i work most of my clients are gin pop gin population mm-hmm. Uh, who you know who actually don't box you know um and and uh yeah so if you you know if you have equipment in your home and you're looking to be led through sessions online that's great if you want to meet up um uh, uh at a park and do some socially distanced strength conditioning sessions i have equipment that's great um yeah that was, but, one, but of yeah. Those, that was one of those things that i should have said in the first like five minutes of the show but i'm, <laughs> I'm happy to say it before we sign off here um, no that's okay no that's okay this, <laughs> it works just fine and how can uh how can we find new box also you can find new box at new box on instagram uh and on facebook and uh google new box two x's two, two x's uh n-u-b-o-x-x two x's yes two um x's. we have two locations now so that's exciting and where are they located so we, one's located in noma uh, near Union Station, right mm-hmm. across the street from Kaiser on 2nd Street in Northeast. There you go. And then our other location, our flagship location, our new location, is uh, on 14th and U Street, right in the thick. There you go. Right in, DC, in the right in the heart. Of heart. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So, nice. so uh, that is, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really beautiful location, man. And I'm just itching to get back in there. So Yeah, I feel you, man. we open, guys. I feel you. I feel you. All right. Well, thanks, Vic, again for being on. And uh, I'm sure we're going to catch up soon. Talk to you later, man. I'll talk to you. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks. And until next time, keep moving, DC.